I mean, I, I walked into a client's house one time years ago. I said, take me to see a client that will scare me that we're keeping at home. <laughs> you know, am I going to be scared when I go in there and say, wow, this person shouldn't be at home? So they took me in and she indeed, people were making a lot of deals with her about, okay, if you do this, if you never smoke again or you never, you know. Oh, my God. And um, <laughs> you can stay home. And, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I walked in there and the first thing she said to me was, you're not here to try and put me in a nursing home, are you? I mean, people feel strongly about right. these things. We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios. That's in the Brewery District, just south of downtown Columbus, Ohio. This is Brett. Carol and I have a very special guest with us today, Cindy Farson, who's been the executive director, and I do say been, the executive director (laughs) of, of the Central Ohio Area Agency on Aging for nearly three decades. And today we're celebrating her incredible journey and successes. Brett, it's a great day. We are so excited. Cindy's opening a new chapter in her life, and we welcome her to our studio. Well, thanks for having me on this beautiful spring day. And it's hard to believe that I am now what I've been talking about for 43 years, a retiring 60-plus baby boomer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, we, I am what I created. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes back in, in 2008, in the middle of the recession, we thought we'd never have those baby boomers retiring, and now we're all, we are all oh, in there. Oh, yeah, yes. they so, sure are. <laughs> so back in 1965, the Older Americans Act was passed in Congress to create and strengthen and services to older citizens. At that point in time, probably the only thing that existed was Social Security. Um, But it it was amended in 73, and the legislation created the Area Agencies on Aging, which is a national network of state-based regions to plan and implement needed critical services. And and I'm saying this to our listeners because most folks don't know about the Area Agencies on Aging. Um, Cindy has led Central Ohio Area Agency on Aging, or as we all like our acronyms, COAAA, um, for 28 years and is turning the page on her career Guiding this eight-county agency, Cindy has brought vision and growth to our communities. Today, we are going to both look back and look forward, tapping into her incredible insight and wisdom on the next steps to aging gracefully, which we are all hoping we can do. That's right, gracefully. Well, you know, first of all, congratulations on retirement. I know you're ready. We were talking before recording. I think you are, though you say you're not, but I think you are. I am. Uh, but, you know, through those years, you're helping out the most vulnerable, our most vulnerable citizens. You know, even if you, you're not older, chances are you've got a family member, a friend, or a neighbor who's probably benefited from Cindy's leadership. So let's jump into it. Let's give an overview of what senior services have meant to our communities. Help us set the stage. What was happening to seniors in the 60s and 70s that moved that Older Americans Act to the forefront? Well, of course, as Carol mentioned, the Social Security Act was in 1935, and that was the big recognition that older people were living in poverty and something had to be done. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was terrific. Um, But then in the 50s and 60s, people were recognizing the need for health care, that Social Security wasn't enough. Health care and other services were necessary. And they had a first White House conference on aging in 1961. And from that, Mm -hmm. they identified lots of problems. They created a federal... Committee on Aging. And then so in 1965, you saw all the legislation coming out, the Older Americans Act, Medicare, Medicaid, Lyndon Johnson, and and the Mm -hmm. Great Society. So it just all happened in 1965. So then they had another White House conference on aging in 1971. 
Um, and then you saw the nutrition programs start to roll out nationally and area agencies created. Um, and so uh, the Older Americans Act was created as a very community-based program um, with local-level organizations. That's what area agencies are, um, multiple counties generally. Um, but we work with local advisory councils on aging, people, mm-hmm. leaders in the agency, just people taking services. Um and, and try and determine what it is people need in their individual local communities. And um, they separated area agencies from state offices on aging, which is part of the aging network from the older, you know, because, you know, even though they designate area agencies, they're, they're separated so that area agencies can advocate. You know, if the state's doing something they don't, they mm-hmm. don't think are good for older adults, they can say, no, no good. Mm-hmm. So actually, older Americans ask that we be advocates for state, local, um, federal policies and, and how it affects older people in our region. So I think that's the, one of the great things about the Older Americans Act. It actually requires advocacy where a lot of federal legislation is, you know, no, right. you, can't, you can't talk about this sort of thing. Um, so then in 81, there was another conference on aging, and then they started to focus on supportive services, the transportation, the home care, senior centers, those sorts of things. So um, it's just incrementally they would add titles and, and start to up the services, increase the money a bit. And then in 1995, I was the um, president of our National Association, so I got a very involved view of the White House Conference on Aging that year. And um, our main goal that year was to get a family caregiver program. Mm-hmm. And so um, obviously the needs of caregivers had really multiplied over the years. And uh, there were some political problems with the act that year, not in that not that particular title. So it took till 2020 to author, reauthorize the act and bring that that forward. So we, we got a family caregiver program. And as we went around trying to talk local agencies into being our caregiver partners, I said, boy, this, the money is going to just take off with this act. And oh. it did for a couple of years. And then, no, <laughs> wrong yeah. again. It just started dribbling you know, incremental, uh, you know, small kind of incremental money that the other titles of the Older Americans um, Act uh, have. So, um, you know, we've always had to struggle for funding and resources, I think. But, but you know, the Older Americans Act has really just followed this whole tide of recognition that, yes, America was is going to eventually have mm-hmm. this huge number of older adults. Right. And and I think, and we've talked about this before when you visited with us, people don't realize what the needs are for an older adult until you have a direct situation in your family. Because, you you know, if you've had either relatives who haven't lived to the need to, you know, till, till they were in need of services, or their older relatives were fine and dandy and healthy and out and about and took care of themselves, you just don't realize what those issues are. And and they are not easy. They aren't. And so the first time people present to us sometimes is when their mother has a stroke or, right. you know, has broken a hip and they're like, we don't know what to do. And so no one does. Somebody recommends, really, well, you better call the area agency and what services they're, right. you know, are available and that sort of thing. And then they start the process mm-hmm. of then in, of trying to figure out what's available and, right. and how can we and, get help. And I think listeners need to understand that you're not just taking care of people who are at a poverty level. No. These are services for any older adult, some more than others, but you 
there are services out there that can be utilized. Mm-hmm. And so you you just have to ask, start asking a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I always used to chuckle when I took care of my dad, said, you know, with little kids, you can herd them where you want them to go. You cannot herd older adults. You it's cannot. Not. And we have social workers for that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that will sit down and say, now, you know, your daughter's not exactly. wrong on this. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, you, you, you touched on this just a little bit. So we're 40 years later from the original Older Americans Act, the number of seniors have significantly risen and their needs have significantly increased. COAAA serves about 30,000 clients with a $10 million budget to cover eight counties. I think that's correct when I was going through all of your information. Uh, If not, please please update those numbers for us. But uh, we're coming out of a pandemic, dramatically changed the needs of seniors for their safety and their health. Where are we now, Cindy? What are the top concerns on your list? Um, what is happening to our seniors there, housing, transportation, health, and how is the COAAA addressing those needs? Well, um, the 30,000 clients and the 10 million, that's Older Americans Act money and state, some state monies, and that covers like, those are grants we make to our, our community partners mm-hmm. like meals and, and transportation and some of those things. But, um, you know, along the way, we saw the Older Americans Act was not cutting it. And so Ohio's area agencies uh, became very focused on Medicaid community-based waivers. And we started with passport, and then it went statewide. Also, property tax levies. And most of this activity happened in the 90s. Um, so our budget actually now is over $125 million, And we case manage um, directly 15,000 individuals um, who need a package of services to stay at home in the community. A lot of these, the grants that we make are people that need individuals. Oh, I need transportation or I need mm-hmm. meals. But what we do with our case managed clients is put together a package of services um, and work with them and their caregiver to try and figure out how can I stay home instead of a facility. And so that comes from Passport, My Care, the Home Care Waiver for People with Disabilities, and our local senior options levy also has complex clients that we case manage. Um, but, you know, we've made so much progress, so many more resources there. Um, but the challenges, they just seem bigger than ever now, especially after the pandemic. Um, housing of, and food have been the, the two main concerns over the pandemic, of course. And then housing, is it's just a crisis now for low-income people. And certainly not just in Columbus, but certainly in in urban areas where the, the prices are just, you know, pretty much out of control for low-income people. So... It's a crisis, and we have counselors working with folks all the time searching for housing or preventing evictions, as many agencies are, that we work with so many agencies. And, of course, the big eviction money is coming through impact, and we work with them, of course. Right. But, you know, a lot of older adults have trouble with these systems. They're, um, uh, you know, mostly online, and, you know, that money gets held up sometimes for four or five months with landlords that won't wait. So we try and fill those gaps when we can. Um, that's kind of one of our purposes. Um, but now that people are getting out again, of course, transportation, of course, rises to the top. It's always a problem with older adults. And then health care remains our focus with case-managed um, clients. Um, you know, and aging is turning, the High Department of Aging, actually, they're doing their strategic plan this summer. They're turning very much to preventative health um, along with the health department. So that's what they're going to be focused on for us we um, we want to expand things like our care transitions program, and that is when we work with somebody in the hospital that's coming out of the hospital, try and connect them to, with community services. Because um, as we t- talked about, people don't know, and 
even hospitals, as busy as they are, you know, they flip over discharge plan or sometimes they're not referring to community services that are right mm-hmm. there. So right. we're trying to formalize that whenever we can. And we, we have that sometimes with a managed care agency or whatever. But it's an ongoing thing to, you know, let's when people come home, let's get them to their doctor's appointment. Let's get them a meal. Let's make sure that they've got the information they need, that they understood the discharge plan. Uh, all those kinds of things to keep them from going back in the hospital and and having their their health further decline. So, connecting um, uh, community services to healthcare for many years, people have seen that that is a huge effect on their outcomes. You know, it's not just the healthcare; it's what happens afterwards. Right. Um, <clears throat> I, but, I mean, I can remember reading the discharge information from the hospital for my dad. I couldn't understand it. There was no way he could have done it by himself. No, no, it, it's impossible. No, you, yeah, you always. Everybody needs a little bit of help with these right. medical yeah. issues for yeah. sure. So you know, social workers can help you with that. A lot of our people are nurses too. Help you figure out the prescriptions and know mm-hmm. that's not right. That's not what that means, and and some of those things. And that's all important when prescriptions is part of medical care, like a procedure anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, connecting community services to health services just remains a challenge all across the country. I, so I'm hearing three things that is are there are really critical points for COAAA providing for our community. You're filling the gaps. You're, you're providing that information that they need as well as services or resources. You're advocating for each of these individuals, and it's not just the 15,000, it's literally every older adult in the county community for, for COAAA, and connecting people, getting those resources to them that they need. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wish, wish we were doing every one of those things perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> but the you, big thing uh, is that you're trying. We are always trying. So it's more effort we have than a, most to put in. We have a very committed group of people. I, I was just going to say, I haven't seen, any, I haven't seen them well, miss a beat right. in, in all <laughs> right. of the years I've worked with COAAA. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. So, Well, just as we do on the podcast, we try to bring information to our community, our listeners. COAAA is, they've got an enormous job in reaching seniors or their family members and caregivers. We kind of touched upon it here as well, too. It's just that information gap. Without clear communication streams, a lot of seniors would not be able to benefit from all of your programs and services. You guys have an incredible network to share information. However, what is your greatest fear, your frustration with finding those who need you, and and how is technology helping or maybe even hurting? Oh, Brett, that is such a big issue like we're talking about. You know, I can't believe after all these years, so many people don't know what services are out there in their community. It's, It's just as frustrating as it could be. And, of course, like all agencies, we try and do PR. Um, We've had – we have – uh, vaccine booster commercials on right now. We in the past couple of years we've been on TV, social media, radio. But you know, unless you're interested, you know, you kind of tune these things out. And of course, our budgets. You know, we're not going to get on there <laughs> mm-hmm. 18 times a day on, right. on a TV spot. Right. So it's just frustrating that way. Uh, we've had luck with targeted mail. We have a classes, beginner classes for Medicare, because that can be complex for a lot of people. And those are very popular. And when we target mail, okay, you're turning 65, Mm -hmm. you know, that's successful. So we try different things. And of course, we have a large local levy program through the Franklin County Office on Aging. They're trying to do outreach. Mm -hmm. So if you come in through our door, their door, you're going to get into the network. But it's, 
it's just the same. It's it's hard to to get to people, and we have got some really complex systems out there now. Mm-hmm. Some of the best calls, uh, I mean, nicest feedback I get are from people that can't figure out Medicare, and you know these can be lawyers saying, "Oh my gosh, your your people figured out how to get this Medicare waiver for assisted living for my mom, and I just couldn't figure this out." And so you know. Um, uh, we we want to f- help people in these complex systems, but they got to get to us first. So the bright spot is, you know, we've just finished doing a community needs survey with Age Friendly and with the Franklin County Office on Aging. And one of the questions that has changed dramatically from the last time we asked it was about technology. You know, what technologies do you use? Mm-hmm. How how good <laughs> for what purposes? And it was just a tremendous increase. I mean, I, I was kind of stunned with the percentages of of people that answered, yes, we were using all these things. So mm-hmm. that is a, to me, that's a bright light there because, um, you know, so much, you know, trying to get out on social media, but um, so much is online, you know, whether it's researching what's there or applying for things um, or all the healthcare technologies coming out right now. Of course, over the pandemic, telehealth became big. You've probably all used it. Oh, I sure. loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. let's just call in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so if you, you know, if you're not good on technology, you can't take advantage of those things. Right. So, so I think, you know, as the boomers, you know, they've they've had technology first. So as, as our yes. population ages and uh, younger people come into those ca- into those co- cohorts, we're going to see that, that use right. there. And that's going to be helpful, I think, in getting information to people. I, I hate to think that there was any silver lining in the pandemic, but the one thing it, it really was. did push us to do it did. is to use technology. You know, you wanted to talk to your grandchildren, you've got to get on Zoom. Right. So right. I, it pushed a lot of people that way, and I think yeah. that's going to be useful. Right, right. Um, okay, our million-dollar question, literally, is money is an issue. Um, services to seniors are incredibly costly, uh, particularly for personal health, um, personal and health care. Um, where are we on the funding? You've talked a little bit about that. Do federal and local legislators even understand these issues and why the, the money is so important? And Or do we need to actually rethink funding models and look at other ways to gain money for these these services? Well, Carol, that is the multi-million dollar no question. question. Yeah, really. <laughs> Low-balled her on that yeah, one. Really, yeah, really, I did. She did. I did. Too bad I don't have an answer for you, right? <laughs> yeah. You had an answer for every one of these questions. <laughs> um, but, you know, the biggest problem that we're all facing right now is the workforce problem. Because right. home care agencies are not able to fill the orders that we are sending them. So we've got people waiting and, you know, um, for services that we could easily get them in, in the past. And, uh, you know, they've been traditionally low-paying jobs, but the opportunities that have been out there over the pandemic for jumping to better-paying jobs, better situations, um, has really had people leaving the field. And um, also people have been quarantined and they, and they couldn't work. And so all these things have really joined together to bring this home care kind of crisis right now at a time when we're always trying to get more people uh, to, to use it. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't see that problem coming to an end with the pandemic either um, because the salaries are going to have to be bumped up considerably. Um, and uh, since many uh, many agencies, they rely on public programs, which are the, the huge, huge funder of Medicaid, um, you know, they are stuck. It's not like – 
you know, they can raise their prices because the government says, this is how much we're giving you. Right. And so some of them just drop out. They're like, well, we can't do it for that. And they drop wow. out, lose, mm-hmm. you know, lose agencies, or they just don't take your cases, which is also tragic for us, try and rely more on uh, private pay. Um, so, you know, is there a willingness to acknowledge this among lo- local legislators? We have quarterly hellos with legislators and things. I mean, they certainly, they know the problem. The workforce problem is out there everywhere. So they don't see this as a singular item. But it's, you know, it's one thing if you can't get certain, you know, can't get enough Amazon workers. It's another when you can't get these programs funded or or you can't get the workforce in for home care. And then that switches people to nursing home, which is the whole point is or, for the state not mm-hmm. to pay this much money Right, you know, and keep people, you know, have people in a cheaper uh, option. So it's, it's shoving people into the more expensive place if they can't find anything else. And of course, people after the pandemic, they are, you know, nursing homes is not where they want to be. So a lot mm-hmm. of people, are, they're just kind of hoping that they can get somebody. They're filling in with family, neighbors when they can. So it, it's a real. I mean, all the area agencies are just kind of <laughs> having a fit about it. But something's got to happen with the recognition of the importance of that home care worker, you know. Um, and and the it's proven that a home care worker is going to be better and yet cheaper than somebody going either into an institution or becoming very, very critically ill and ending up in the hospital. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah. I, I mean, I hope that that recognition is there with legislature. It's a matter of priorities, you know. They've got... All these people coming to them. Can you push your priority right. up there? Right. Right. It's always been that. Yeah. And Did, you'd mentioned the conferences. Is there a conference, an older Americans conference coming up in Washington sometime wait. soon? They kind of fell out of favor, I have to say. Oh, what, who bad. was it? Clinton, I think, was the Was he the last one that had one in 95? Hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe not. There might have been kind of a scaled back one with President Bush, um, the older Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've kind of just not kept on schedule. I hope they bring them back because I think, you know, it would be a good thing to try and focus. Well, the poster boy's in there right now. I know. <laughs> well, he, if anybody brought him back, he might. You know? Right. I mean, he needs it. <laughs> he's of age. He, he's probably going to need the program here pretty soon. You never know. You don't want to talk about that. The office may drive him there. You know, the office, what I'm meaning is that just this office – is not good on your health. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to need it when he's done. True. Yeah, it's, it's a sure. tough job. He could be one. He could be one of those super agers, though. He you know? could be those hundred-year-olds that hang in yeah, there for everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be one of them. He's a strong Irish kid, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Well, and then you know when you're talking about funding, there's also this cliff coming. We have been getting lots of pandemic resources. You know, right? Um, you know, for example, you know, life care. There. Their demand went up sixty percent, and there was lots of we were pumping lots of money into there. The people were putting money through the Older Americans Act, um, the ARP money, the CARES money, and so they've built up these resources. But you know now they're like, oops, not going to be there. So mm-hmm. you build up this demand that you can't, you know, funding wise can't fulfill in the future. That's I think there are a lot of provider agencies that are that are worried about that. So we, you know, we have to just keep advocating and, and, and keep it in front of people's, uh, keep, keep it on their radar. One of the things that happens when you're looking at school levies and school funding is they look at the projections for how many kids are actually going to be in school. Well, 
the boomers are, you know, we're, we're aging and, and we'll eventually be gone. And the next generations are smaller in size. But I, I think the difference here is that the, the types of services needed are going to get harder and bigger even if the population numbers come down, it's not going to be needing less services. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Because housing is going to continue to be a problem. Transportation is definitely going to continue to be a problem. Um, food stability. I, I mean, it's it's. Um, I mean, we we spend the majority of our money for long term care goes into personal care. Right. Which is why this home care crisis is, you know, so, right, right. you know, maybe you can find a ride. Maybe you can cook for yourself. I don't know. But, you know, it's hard for families sometimes to deal with the personal care needs of a loved one and, uh, you know, some of these things. So, uh, you know, there's a huge demand for that. Um, so, you know, we hope we'll be able to keep up with that. I, I, um, I do want to say that, you know, we talk about other forms and levies. You know, Ohio did go the levy route. Most of our counties have levies. To different degrees. Franklin County has the biggest one in the state right now, and it has been a godsend during this pandemic. They have funded meals for people that just called in and said, I need a meal. I'm not going out. Or people that said, I don't have a ride to get a vaccine. And to have that resource in your county where you just know you can call and get a ride for somebody mm-hmm. has just been huge. So that's the that's the local levy here. And uh, I think it's going to be up in the fall again. So I hope people continue to support those local levy programs because the good thing about those are you can do you can do what you want to do, what needs to be done in your community. There's not federal mm-hmm. regulations or state regulations. Right. Right. You can say on a dime, pandemic, okay, we're opening this up for vaccine transportation. And so right. these lo- local levies are just, I think, really critical in Ohio and puts Ohio in a much better category than a lot of other states for community-based care. And every penny that Franklin County residents put into that levy stays in Franklin County. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. They do a great job with it. And of course, we've been partners all through this. But um, yeah, and I want to put in a plug for the nonprofit sector too. Um, You know, there's there's so much going on, uh, private sector, from managed care to to meals, information. In fact, somebody sent me a memo saying that um, AAA, the Automobile Association, wanted to get into information for older adults. <laughs> I said, well, wow. everybody's in the pool. But you know what I mean? There's just lo- lots of people going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, for innovation and, and expanded services, that that's great. But I tell you, when the funding is there, everybody's in the pool, but when it goes away or it dribbles down, the people that are left are the nonprofits that are mm-hmm. committed to providing services, the life cares, the Catholic social services, the Meals the, on Wheels programs, mm-hmm. all of those. The you know, Clintonville Resource Center. These are the people that we call on sometimes to say, will you go above and beyond? Will you do this thing that might not be funded? And so I'm a big supporter of the, of the nonprofits and keeping them healthy in communities, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Right. We talked a little bit earlier about, well, many times about housing, um, the rent increases, the lack of housing, the aging of the housing stock. And in fact, right now, inflation is hurting that low income as well, that they all of a sudden are seeing their rents increase because of, and, and they're getting hit the hardest. Uh, and, and, but we have a ton of new building developments um, for senior housing. But they may be out of reach for because it's just too expensive. Do you have any advice for listeners on housing trends? What's happening if a senior needs housing and now and maybe five years from now? I, I, you know, I know your crystal ball may be a little fuzzy, but it's like, <laughs> it's but but you have a pulse on it more than we do <laughs> in regards to kind of what to look for. I tell you, um, 
I wish I had a crystal ball. That yeah. is, that is a tough, tough problem right now. And um, you know, you do see housing going up in large numbers, and and it's crazy. And thank goodness Columbus is laser focused on affordable housing and trying to and trying to up with uh, all that. But affordable housing—that's that's you know fifty to sixty thousand dollar income is what they claim affordable housing is. And what we need, the people that are coming through our agency that are desperate, are you know on social security incomes, and it's pretty tough to find that in case you can't find that. So what you have to have is subsidized housing, and HUD is just. Stopped doing much of that building, the 202 program, years ago. Although right. that is that did come up in the last budget, I think did start to to rise. And you know, it's kind of ironic in the 50 in the late 50s. I think they they recognized this problem and they started funding these low income nonprofit rental programs. And then you know, so I, you know, it's like oh, voucher programs. Well, voucher programs are, are tough. And they're very right. tough for, for older adults. You know, you close a housing facility and you say, oh, here's a voucher. Well, when you're 88 and you've lived there and thought you were going to live there till the end of your life, okay, let's go find mm-hmm. some more housing and mm-hmm. somebody will take a voucher. Right. So these are tough. And what we really need is we need more subsidized housing building, uh, you know. Uh, but um, certainly there are agencies in town that will help you find housing. Or well, they'll try or they'll tell you who's who might have an opening or how long the wait list is. Um and, you know, we've got people calling and checking all the time what's available. I see emails flashing around. Somebody's got space here, space there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, call around some of these agencies, and they all work together and, and see if, if you can get some help. But I tell you, if you, if you anticipate, I'm not going to live in this house, you know, for much longer. It's too hard to live here. It's getting too expensive. Start looking. Get your name on some wait lists because it could take. A couple years oh, sometimes. Uh, right, so, right. Y- you know, if you can anticipate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and I have to, I, I want to give a shout out to Homeport, who has done a yes. phenomenal job yes. um, of working with local communities yes. and building senior housing. And those places are beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yay to all the people that are right. really focused on this problem because it is huge. <laughs> right. Hmm. Well, we got another hot button issue here, and that's transportation. We've already been talking about that. Um, Our community is lucky that we've got a few newer services available to seniors to meet some of those transportation needs, like the villages and age-friendly communities. Um, Will there be programs utilizing volunteer teams? Is that really the answer to senior needs? Well, you know, I love the villages, and we've been seed funders of the villages and supporters of age-friendly. And um, it's, you know, that concept of old-fashioned concept of neighbors helping neighbors. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our modern society, it's really hard to ask for help. So when you're a member of a village, you know, it's not hard to ask for help. You just call because you're a member and and up comes a neighbor or somebody to to help you. So to me, the more villages that are out there, it takes stress off the transportation systems. And it's a great way to to age, to know that there are people around Mm -hmm. that that are willing to help you. So I'm a great fan of that. You know, the villages, the network of villages did a lift demonstration for us and, um, you know, really showing that it, it can uh, it can fill those gaps. You can't find a, a volunteer, but somebody needs to go to a, we'll call a lift and, and this will work out. And, and teaching people how to use lift, you know, right. is, is important Again, right tra- there. Again, a technology issue. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but, you know, I don't know that volunteers can be the, the solution to workforce, you know, crisis because there are things – 
like I, I'll be happy to take people to when I retire, <laughs> be happy to drive people places, but I'm not going to go in and give them a bath. <laughs> you right. know, you're, you're not going to do some personal care or you're right. probably not going to volunteer to clean up their house, some of these things. So that remains. And um, I think, you know, one of the things that medic, we're all going to have to focus on is just because of the demographics, we're going to have to focus more on paying family members and uh, neighbors, mm-hmm. and we already have programs that do that, but they're hard to access. It could take, right now, of course, I complain all the time to the powers that be, <laughs> you know, it could take five, six months to get them certified. Well, it can't be that complicated, you know, mm-hmm. because a lot of times those people are like, well, I was interested five or six months ago, but I got a job now, and right. I'm not doing it. Right. So, um, you know, we have to figure out ways to really utilize people that are out there, um, not employed, you know, People are like family members. They should be doing it anyway. Well, you can't do it anyway if you don't have any income. Mm-hmm. And um, what does that mean? Somebody's got to pay for all that gas. That's right. <laughs> right. You know. So and and people are like, well, it'll just replace what they're doing with. But you know, when we ran a pilot of this, this was a long time ago. The Choices pilot, where we started doing consumer directed care, uh, Scripps did the study that, that did not pr- did not show that people were replacing what they were doing with paid time. It showed that they were just putting more care into a family member. So instead of spending four hours with them, they were spending eight, the paid time and what they would do anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's just no, uh, there's no way around it. You've got this aging population and then a smaller number of uh, people to serve them. And, it, it, you know, it's going to be going to be something, something America has to figure out. It, mm-hmm. The robots. Yeah. <laughs> the robot, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. I, I see these robots. people, the yeah. robots. I'm like, well, you mean a robot's going to maybe bring me a Diet Coke, but what? Yeah. You know? right. So I'm going to have to look at, yes. a little further into that maybe, before I yeah. buy it, one. Yeah, we, we need uh, we need the uh, the cars that drive themselves. And, that, and, I, that I'm about, you yes, know. Yes. I, I, driving Miss Daisy. Yes, not giving up my keys, so I'm going to have to yeah. have a self-driving car. There you exactly. go. Yeah, you exactly. mentioned yeah you mentioned just a little bit ago about you know bringing people in or taking advantage of when the you know the interest. You've been a mentor and a role model for so many individuals who've moved into careers serving seniors. As you mentioned, it's difficult to convince young people, students, and young adults that, that a career in senior services can be a fulfilling opportunity. Can you share your thoughts on you know, your years of doing this as well as as the future and people around you on the value of the and the advantages to pursue work in senior services and, and the opportunities, whether it's administration or nonprofits, the whole gamut? Well, we do this all – we try and do this all the time. You know, students in social work and the medical field, they are all very attracted to children and families. When they come through our office, I'm like, Why? <laughs> Older adults are great to work with, you know, why, why? So we bring in a lot of interns. We have a great social work school at Ohio State University, so we get them from other places too, but a lot from Ohio State. And, um, you know, when they come and work and they just see how satisfying it is to be able to help people, um, families and and individuals stay in their home that they just love because, you know— I mean, I walked into a client's house one time years ago. I said, take me to see a client that will scare me that we're keeping at home. <laughs> you know, am I going to be scared when I go in there and say, wow, this person shouldn't be at home? So they took me in, and she indeed, people were making a lot of deals with her about, okay, if you do this, if you never smoke again or you never, you know. Oh, my gosh. And um, <laughs> you can stay home. And, uh-huh. and uh <laughs> 
you know, I walked in there and the first thing she said to me was, you're not here to try and put me in a nursing home, are you? I mean, people feel strongly about right. these things. Right. Yeah. And so when you can put together that package and you can make that person feel like, oh, my gosh, I can stay here. It's a very satisfying thing. And, and we have some very, you know, committed and, and people that just love what they do. And so, you know, we try and show interns that and we keep a lot of them that have they've done this and, and, and they stick with us. So. Yeah, we try and convince people all the time. And, of course, you know, in the medical field, <laughs> you know, they all want to work with uh, kids and family. But you know who they all end up working with. Who? What's the percentage that they're in the hospital? They're older adults. So let's right. just get those gerontology programs in there, you know, as part of their curriculum more heavily and and, and all of that. So, yes, we're, we're big advocates of that. Um, You know, as far as the future of this, when I came to COAAA, we had 100 employees. We have 400 now. And it's just, you know, it's growing all the time because there's no shortage of older adults. That's mm-hmm. for sure. And, um, you know, there's lots of opportunity out there. The managed care organizations, medical practices are competing for those that understand community aging because they know that's a that's a part of successful health outcomes. There are a lot of people out there that want to see people that have that kind of uh, – have that kind of experience. And, um, you know, when I started in aging, 1978 or whatever, my friends were like, aging? Really? <laughs> well, they don't say that, you know, yes. for a lot of years, <laughs> as they call and say, what am I going to do with my mom or right. now? Right. Uh, you know, should I be planning for assisted living? Well, you know, so no, nobody wonders now um, why that, that, that was a good move. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, right now, it's a huge, uh, Business and innovation opportunity for people too. People are creating things all the time, robots or whatever. Yeah, right, right. But yeah, um, yeah. for older adults, so there's certainly money in the business and innovation end of it too. Well, I'm uh, always amazed um, when I talk to the folks at the Senior Services Roundtable, which is one of our incredible opportunities oh, well, in yes. Central Ohio. You see it right there. Oh yeah, to talk about if you if you need help or information, that the Senior Services Roundtable will do it. But in looking at the membership of people in that organization. I'm thinking there are, at one point in time, there were a thousand people in 600 organizations. Yes. You're looking at every company that has medical devices, every company that's making widgets that seniors purchase. Yes. Um, it's not just Downsizing the Downsizing companies. Just exactly. People just are coming up with these things that people need and making right. a business out of it. Right. And it, But it's not just the medical people, not just no. the social workers. If you are an accountant and you are looking at maybe changing up your career a little bit as opposed to going to another accounting company, Look at at what is open in the in the senior services industries. Mm-hmm. It, you know there are incredible organizations that help seniors, and everybody needs an accountant. That's for sure. I, that roundtable, you can really see the business interest in aging. Yes, certainly. yes. So, well, Cindy, we always give our guests an opportunity. To provide those last words of wisdom, um, and I think we all need it. Those of us who are aging gracefully, still at home, um, suggestions or advice for our listeners today. Well, I would just say that if you want to live in communities where you can um, age and and know that it's what you want is going to be there, services, a variety of housing, transportation, um, all those things, then be an advocate, you know, mm-hmm. get out there. Um, no matter what age you are, whether it's for your parents or for you, you want your community to have those services uh, so that people can 
thrive in these these in our cities that we love. And uh, let legislators know that you care about these things. They have a long priority list of things. And uh, as you probably know, we don't have a highly paid lobby budget right? <laughs> like so many people do. And so um, where we have won is on grassroots, people that say, I need, I need you to pay attention to these issues, and I've got this in my family. So, um, you know, when I started in this, 92% of people got their long-term care in a nursing home. That mm-hmm. was the statistic, 9% versus 8%. Now it's more like um, 40, or 40 or 45% are in a nursing home, uh, with the majority now getting home care um, for their long-term care services. So, um, you know, all these community-based services, the push for community-based services, that came from local advocates. Um, that came, you know, developing services and just people that worked with us to get to their legislator and say, we want this in our community. So, you know, be an advocate. That's that's my advice, certainly. And, um, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you may need them someday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I've been talking aging for 43 years, and I never thought I'd be here retiring. But just like that, I now have a personal interest in community services. Right. <laughs> yes, and, and if yes, for listeners, if you don't have it today, you will eventually have it. You so. will, or somebody that you love. So exactly. just you know, yeah, be a citizen, advocate. You know, yes. right. good point. Yeah. Great point. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. Congratulations on retirement. Thank you. Good luck with everything. We'll bring her back in a year and see how retirement goes. Yes, we're gonna... Obviously, she said she's going to be driving people. Yes. So well. we want to we want to hear how that went. <laughs> and is good. After I take all these trips that I have planned. Yes. Oh, there you go. Now, that'll be an episode talking so, about I'm, doing trips in retirement. I'm That's trying to plan something a month so I don't say, oh, oh my oh. gosh, did I do the right thing? Okay. Oh. I love Let's that. Let's go. That's a I'm ready. right there. I I, I'll do it. road trips with you. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, you know it. It's uh, we when when Cindy and I first started talking about her visiting today, I was talking about oh, what's your next plan and <laughs> what's the encore career and she goes, well, I don't know. <laughs> I said to her, Carol, I know you're all about encore careers. I said, don't be asking me about that because I have not planned a second but career. In in a year, you never know. Well, right. that's the right. thing. You know, that's I've had it. friends that retired early in their 50s, and then, you know, they oh. get to their mid-60s, and, you know, I don't know whether they were at the Y or they're teaching GED classes. Some of them come back, you know. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Or, or you're sought out for the gray matter that you've got the knowledge you have exactly. and, and you're worth something to somebody or some organization. Knowing Carol, just in case, I got my resume already before <laughs> I leave. I'm just going to say. <laughs> I my resume. up on you. So that's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we've got all the information we talked about in the episode in the show notes and on the websites and a website. I mean, we don't have websites. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you're we multiple more websites. Than one. Yeah. And loads of information and resources. So, you know, we look forward to talking to you you again very soon we will we'll we'll follow up and and thank you for listening to this episode thank you both